Hello, basketball fans, and welcome to a brand spanking new edition of your ESPNW Women's Basketball Podcast Around the Rim. I am your producer, Tarika Foster-Brasby, and acting co-host as our host, LaChina Robinson, is still on assignment in Tokyo covering the Olympics. We have certainly enjoyed watching her coverage from talking Tokyo in the mornings on Twitter um, to seeing her updates on her social media, as well as hearing her on the call um, in the USA versus Nigeria game. So we are just so proud of LaChina. Um, love that she's, you know, getting able to cover this game in a way that I'm sure she never imagined. And uh, in the meantime, We'll be here in the States holding it down. So on today's show, which will be a quick fast break episode, um, I have two very special guests that are going to be joining me and I am super excited about it. But before we get into our guests, just want to make mention of some things that are happening here around the women's basketball landscape that is not directly tied to the Olympics. So first and foremost, if you have been living under a rock for the last couple of days, you may have missed the announcement that the Atlanta Dream coach or interim coach, Mike Peterson, stepped down as um, head coach for health reasons. However, he will be replaced by assistant Darius Taylor. And we just want to, you know, for one, wish Coach Peterson um, the best of health in, in all of the, you know, well wishes that we can. It is not easy to take over a team and it certainly isn't doing so um, if you are not fizzing, feeling physically at your best. And so, you know, whatever it is that um, Coach Peterson is battling we just want to send our love to him and you know hope that he gets better in that same vein we want to send some love to coach Darius Taylor and congratulate him on the opportunity to lead this team the dream are sitting at 6 and 13 in the first half of the season and they return to practice on uh Wednesday July 28th as a matter of fact so just excited to see what he's going to be able to do and what he's going to be able to bring to a team that is very much in transition um and we can already see that things are starting to happen as they recently just signed Atlanta Dream. Um, I'm speaking of just signed Candace Dupree to um, to a deal on this past Monday. You know, she's a seven-time WNBA All-Star. She spent a lot of time with the Seattle Storm most recently. And, and so it's just good to see, you know, her be able to find a home. 16-year um, vet, just she's done so much for this game. And it's going to be great to, you know, see her continue to add some, some depth to that Atlanta roster. So looking forward to see what they're going to do moving forward. And also, we cannot forget that as soon as we get back into play, well, right before we get back into play, uh, the Seattle Storm and the Connecticut Sun are going to be facing off in the Commissioner's Cup. So it's the first ever Commissioner's Cup um, this season. There were 60 regular season games, 10 per team that have been designated as the Cup Games. Um, and from May to July, 
Um, we saw those games in actions, and the two teams with the best record would play in the championship game on August 12th. And so those two teams were Seattle and Connecticut. They are going to be facing off at 9 p.m. Um, for a half a million dollars, as well as for a nice trophy that we have seen as it has circulated around social media. Nice Gold Cup trophy. So that's going to be great. I'm always about seeing the players get some more money in their pocket. And so that half a million dollar prize pool uh, is definitely no slouch to hang your head on. I know they're going to come out ready to play. And so um, August 12th, if you have Amazon Prime Video, you will be able to watch the Commissioner's Cup game at 9 o'clock p.m. on that platform. So we are excited about that. And good luck to both teams. And of course, bringing it back to the Olympics, we have to show love and give a shout out to our Team USA three-on-three basketball team. Steffi Dolson, Alicia Gray, Jackie Young, and Kelsey Plum brought home the gold in the inaugural event. And so it is one thing to win gold. It is another thing to be the first to ever do it. Um, I know that they worked really hard to be in that position. Um, also a shout out to Katie Lou Samuelson, who was originally selected, but unfortunately had to miss this year's event due to COVID-19 protocols. And so uh, we're just very excited about Team USA and three-on-three three because, listen, this is not an easy thing to do. Three-on-three three basketball is most certainly not the same as five-on-five. Five. It's a faster game. It's a faster-paced um, type game. And what I love about it is that it gives four other women's basketball stars an opportunity to be Olympians. We know that our teams and our and our game is loaded with talent. And unfortunately, everyone isn't going to be able to make the Team USA women's national basketball team roster. So this gives some of our other stars an opportunity to show what they have to play in the Olympics, to get the Olympic experience and to bring home gold. And so we're just so proud of them. They um, won the gold medal over the... Uh, over Russia and again I'm happy for them I'm so proud of them um, we'll talk a little bit more about them later on in the show and with that let's get into the show I have a couple of very special guests that are going to be joining me on this fast break episode of Around the Rim and I'm excited about it so you guys should be too so our first joining us is accomplished journalist women's basketball writer she's covered this sport for many years strong passion for for women's basketball you can find her on so many different publications none other than friend of the show michelle smith mcdonald hi michelle hi guys glad to be here uh, thank you thank you for making some time for us um also joining us, I don't know how she managed to make time for us. It's beyond me. I'm not going to try to figure it out, though. But please join me in welcoming four-time WNBA champion with the Minnesota Lynx, five-time WNBA All-Star, Olympic gold medalist. She's got world titles, retired from the W as the leader in career games won. All she does is win. And now she's currently the head coach of Minnesota women's basketball, Lindsay Whalen. Hello. Thanks for having me. Thank you. Thank you for making time for us. Um, very exciting time in women's basketball. Very exciting time in our in our country as the Olympic Games are, are taking place right now. But 
I would be remiss if I did not open this particular episode, just kind of getting off the elephant in the room. So before we kind of talk about Team USA basketball, I feel like it's only right that we just kind of offer a few thoughts on the recent conversation that's been surrounding athletes in mental health with Simone Biles, who recently withdrew from the all-around team finals, as well as the individual competition in Tokyo, um, citing she needed to focus on her mental health being under immense amount of pressure, just how heavy the moment has been. And I think we can all agree, you know, she's incredibly strong. Her accolades far exceed most of the people that are criticizing her for sure. Um, But Lindsay, I do want to start with you because as someone who's been under the Olympic spotlight, both in London and Rio, the expectation to be perfect, Team USA, we don't lose. You know, how difficult can that be to, to deal with that amount of pressure completely in the public life? Yeah, it's um, there's no question that it's it's um, it's pressure. It's um, it's something that is uh, when you make the Olympic team, you know, for our basketball team, we, we didn't want to be the team that uh, starting with 96 um, or maybe even 92. I might have, you know, they just won their 50th game in a row the other night. You, you don't want to be that, you know, you don't want to be that team um, that, you know, doesn't, you know, keep that streak going. So there is, there's that pressure. And, and I think at times, um, you know, it gets, it gets, it can get to be overwhelming. And, um, you know, you know, my thoughts are, um, anytime you like you're competing, you're playing a sport, but at the end of the day, um, your health, your safety, is number one. That's the priority, no matter what the stage, no matter what the game, no matter what the circumstances. And, um, you know, we're, we're all humans. So like you're at this stage and you get to this point, but there's still different things that happen every day with, with, you know, within your competition, you know, within your family, with your, with your partner, significant other that, you just, there's a lot that, that can happen. And, and I think that, you know, understanding that we all go through stuff, um, you know, number one is your health and safety. And so I think, um, you know, making that a priority, um, you know, Simone did a really, really good thing by um, taking care of herself because she's the only one that knows, you know, what's going, what's, what's going on, and how she's feeling and the best we can be as fans, former Olympians, athletes, um, you know, people in the media is be supportive. And, um, and so I, I hope that um, she's hearing a lot of the support network um, and, and not as much of, of the people that have um, some other opinions that really don't really don't matter. Michelle, as someone who has covered like all calibers of athletes. And then just seeing Naomi Osaka battle something very similar, you know, do you think it's us, you know, as media members who add this level of pressures that athletes already feel? I mean, as Lindsay just mentioned, you got outside stuff outside of what you're doing, either on the court or on the floor or on the green or wherever it is that you're playing. You know, how do we as media members do a better job of acknowledging, yeah, they may have superhuman abilities, but they are still human beings. Yeah, I mean, I think it's interesting because what we gravitate to as media members, right, are, you know, 
the spotlight on athletes like Simone Biles and Naomi Osaka, especially in sports where your performance is more individual. I know there are team aspects, obviously, to gymnastics, but, you know, NBC has been, you know, and it's not just NBC's fault, but the media, you know, Simone Biles, there's a singular focus on this one athlete. Cameras are following her. I mean, Michael Phelps and all of the issues that he had with mental health, is it a coincidence that there was such a singular focus on him with cameras in his face everywhere he went? Or even somebody like Katie Ledecky, I think is, you know, you know, everybody's different, but it's the same. We do this to athletes, you know, Olympic athletes in particular during these four-year cycles. We turn the spotlight on somebody and we turn it up so high and so hot that we really add to the pressure that they're feeling beyond competition. And then when you talk about Simone Biles and her safety and her health and welfare, you know, what she's doing as a gymnast is literally death defying, right? Like these, like the vaults and the things like there is a, a great risk to personal safety when you are not, when your head's not in the right place. It's if your head's not in the right place. I mean, Wayne knows this, right? Like on a basketball team, your head's not in the right place. You're probably not literally risking your life to pull yourself out or to work your way through a moment. But if you're Simone Biles and you're running down that vault runway and you're about to launch yourself into the air and do something that if it goes poorly could hurt, maim, or possibly cause, you know, I mean, it's just, it's, it's a level of physical risk that you're, you better be mentally straight when you're engaging in all of that. And so I think that is, you know, that's part of what I've admired about all of this too, was that she understood that I can't do this physically. I can't do it mentally. And I mean, I can't imagine the conversation, you know, in that back room when she's pondering whether or not she's going to pull herself out of the competition. I mean, talking about pressure, but we do, we do this. We put spotlights on people And I'm not sure that we do it necessarily as media with ill intention, but we, you know, somebody does incredible things and we all crowd around and we want to highlight that. And whether it's with a camera or with a notepad or whatever, and it just makes it so that, you know, it just puts so much pressure on folks. And especially in that individual environment, I don't know, maybe we could speak to that as a team, as somebody who's part of a team. But I think when you pull yourself out of that team safety space, and it's just you out there. I feel like that's, you know, that's even more treacherous for somebody's mental health. Yeah. I, you know, that's a great, um, great insight, Michelle, as um, getting into this coaching, this coaching world, we have all these, you know, rules on your, your hours and your, um, you know, hours that you can be with your student athletes in the summer. You have hours of in season, you have, um, Carrera um, from the NCAA. So um, we're making sure that our student athletes are working towards their degree. Right. And so we're not just practicing at all hours and things. And it's interesting because I learned this when I took the job that gymnastics is a sport that you have a coach can be there at all times. And if the athlete wants to continue to work, they can be there no matter what the rules because of safety. Because it is so, because Michelle, like what you're saying, it is so, you know, when you're sprinting as fast as you can and launching yourself off of that platform, there's a level of like, yeah, it is, you're risking a lot in that situation. And I didn't know that about that our gymnastics 
um, coach could be there anytime because of safety. Um, there's times when we are, our, our players could be working out. We can't be in the gym because of the hours and the restrictions of, of, of that nature. So to your point, it just, it just, it's, you know, it's right on par with the fact that gymnastics is such a, um, you know, physical, there's so many things that one, like you said, one misstep, one thing goes wrong and you could be seriously injured for the rest of your life. And so making that her priority, she's got a long life ahead of her, you know, and, and just making that a priority, I think is huge. Absolutely. She's only 24 years old. She's got a right. long, long life ahead of her. And literally there's nothing more she can do in the sport of gymnastics. That's going to change. She's the goat. It is what it is. I mean, yeah. even the sirens outside, when I mentioned Simone Biles, the sirens <laughs> just go off because even they know she's a goat. So, <laughs> so we're just going to, um, we're definitely love seeing her cheer her teammates on. Congrats to them, as a matter of fact, because the team, they won silver. And Suni Lee, representing representing the state of Minnesota, she took the gold, right? Individual yeah. competition. Yep. So very proud of her, very proud of them. And speaking of gold, so we have one team that has already captured gold and then one team that is on its quest to maintain its elite status in the world by winning their seventh straight gold. So first, let's talk five on five, right? Team USA, um, they handled Nigeria in their first match. I think it was kind of a slow start, um, even fair to say maybe they were just a bit rusty, but they started to find their footing in the second quarter of that matchup, um, went up as much as, you know, by like 22 points. But look, this is world competition nigeria they're a tough team they would not go away they cut the lead to eight but ultimately um they did fall 81 to 72 um but team usa right 25 toner turnovers um they did seem to make some adjustments but i had questions about how they were handling nigeria's defensive pressure um and it was good to see them make some adjustment but Lindsay, i'll start with you Overall thoughts on, you know, USA just from this particular matchup? Yeah, well, I think that, you know, I I watched um, as long as I could the other night live, as long as I could stay awake and then caught most of the replay the next um, the next morning as well after our workouts. And, you know, for from my perspective, um, you know, watching as a, you know, a very invested fan <laughs> now, um, is the first time in however many weeks that they got together that Diana was out there with them. And so you're, you know, obviously she's, she's, you know, the greatest women's basketball player ever, but still that first five hadn't been together yet. And, and you have, you have that situation um, that I think just everybody's it's Asia Wilson's first Olympics. You know, it's the, uh, it's Brittany's, it's Brittany's second. Um, but, but a different starting lineup. It's for Stewie's first time starting. Um, you know, now Sue, you know, Sue's been there forever and that's a compliment. Um, because, um, that's my, you know, that's my homie, but, uh, it just, I think it just takes time to gel and time to figure out the rotations. Obviously, um, Jewel Lloyd was starting in some of the, the lead up games, exhibition games, and now she's coming off the bench. And I thought she did really well. I thought she provided a really big spark. Uh, I think the turnovers, Nigeria has great length. Um, they got in them in the full court um, pressure wise. And I think it just took us a little bit of time to kind of 
okay, let's catch our breaths. You know, the first game is always, I, I remember the first game I played in, in 2012, we played against Croatia. And I just, you know, the first time you touch the ball, it's like you've held a basketball your whole life. It's a little different when you get out there on the Olympic stage. And so uh, for some of those guys, it's their first time, um, you yeah. know, Chelsea and Skyler, Ariel, um, you know, I, I know I'm, I'm missing a couple more. We still have our vets and, you know, Tina and still coming off the bench, but, um, but yeah, I just think, you know, it'll be, um, it'll, I think it'll be good. The more they play together, that's usually how it goes that they gel because they're great players. And Michelle, you have the advantage finally, like we're all on Eastern time, right. And, you know, ways on central time. And then here you go, finally, Oh, West coast self with the advantage of not having to be up at 4am watching basketball. (laughs) At least this time, at least this time. (laughs) It starts at 10 tonight. It starts at 1140 for me. I'm like, 1240 for me, right? Yeah, so, we got to work, no you know, work the next <laughs> Nine, 940. Yeah. Okay, team no sleep. But yeah, oh. Michelle, love your thoughts. <laughs> um, you know, I think it's interesting and I, I'm, I'm interested in having Wei Wei in on this as well. Um, you know, I think that it's hard to separate in my brain right now them getting off this, you know, getting off to, I don't know, I guess a relatively shaky start and it's all relative, right? That team is loaded. And when you can bring Tina and still off the bench, I mean, come on, but, um, but them getting off to a relatively shaky start with what happened in the couple of exhibitions before that. And I can't quite put my finger on why it feels to me like this team is having a little bit more trouble gelling more quickly. And I think it's because we just assume that USA basketball is going to be a plug and play situation, right? But you're just going to put these five or 10 players on the floor together and it's going to be, and it's just going to be, you know, easy and magical and flow and rhythm and all of those things. And I don't think, I don't feel like I'm seeing that at this point. And I'm wondering if our expectations are just too high about how hard this is to actually do to bring everybody in from their different situations and their different teams and their different roles and put it together for this tournament. Cause it seems, it feels to me like it's taking this team a little bit longer to get together and come together than either feels like it should, or it feels like it has in the past. And I'd be curious what way thinks about that, having been on some of those teams. Well, you know, and I think um, without making excuses because um, you know, they're, they're great players and they're Olympians, but the rhythm of this whole thing was disrupted by COVID and it's been disrupted by every Olympian and every team is going through this, but there's a certain rhythm when you, when you start out. So after like 2016, after um, some time they start, you start preparing for the world championships, the world or the world cup. I think they've, they've rebranded and gone gold cup and that's in 2018, which that team went and won gold. And then there's a rhythm to get ready for the Olympics in 2020 and not having having a year, essentially a year and a half, where I'm, I'm guessing Team USA did not get together because nobody was really able to be around anyone. That there's just um, having that time. I think we're seeing a little bit of the effects of that because every year, every off season, quote unquote off season in the in the winter, we would get together as a team before 2016 before 2014 World Cup, 2012, dating back all the way to 2010. And I I just think that we're kind of seeing a little bit of that year and a half layoff where we didn't have a two-week training camp and then go play. Now, they they were able to play the the college teams, but I feel like that was a few – I feel like at this point that was a few years ago. 
And so that was really the last time we're talking nearly two years that they were playing together against competition. So I think we're seeing a little bit of that, um, that rust, maybe that we're, we're knocking off. And, um, you know, I know they're saying that by, by one or 21, you know, mm-hmm. win, win by one, win by 21 and advance to the next. But I think there's a little bit of that, that, um, that the team is working through. And I don't think that's an excuse way. I think that's a reality. I think that's just, yeah. you know, I think that's a reality of, you know, you spending last season in a bubble and, and, you know, and that had its own challenges, I think on people physically and mentally, and then just coming through this whole cycle. I just, you know, I think that we are seeing it a little bit. I think that, you know, because there's no, this team is as talented and as deep and, you know, as any of the rest of them and the world's gotten better. I mean, I think that mm-hmm. there's, you know, I think that, you know, I think that the level of play around the world and the caliber of the players on different, where there's WNBA players all over these international rosters, um, mm-hmm. you know, so I think the world's gotten better. So it's just enough to close that gap. Um, and then Japan, you know, right. Japan's going to shoot a million threes. Yeah. And yeah. it's going to be a very specific and they're fast and it's going to be a very specific defensive plan that they're going to need. And, you know, I mean, I'm just going to be curious to see how they respond to that. Cause I think Nigeria brought something really distinctive to the floor. And now I think Japan's going to do the same thing. Yeah, you're right. And it's interesting too, because the French were saying that, like, if you looked at some of the things that they were saying after the games that they just, you know, narrowly squeaked by France, uh, 70 to 74, but you know, some of the, some of the players were making that very same case. Like every mistake that we made on defense, Japan found a way to score. They found a way to capitalize on it. And so if you are team USA going into this matchup on Friday, you have to say to yourself, okay, what adjustments do I need to make? How do I approach Japan? How do I, I, you know, keep myself quicker so that not only do I limit the mistakes that we made against Nigeria, but that we don't give Japan these opportunities to, to score on us because they had three players who, you know, had 12 points in that game. So, you know, you know, way what, what how do you approach, you know, a team like this coming off of a game like Nigeria? Well, you know, I thinking back to in 2016, we played Japan in the quarterfinals and that was one of our hardest games. Like I look back on that game and we were, we were up single digits at half and second half we ended up pulling away, but there's no question that they are going to go. They're going to go. They're going to shoot a ton of threes. Um, you know, they're going to drive kick their, their guard plays really, really fast, um, very quick. And um, I just remember that game thinking like this team is like on the rise uh, when we were playing them. And so, so it's going to be, you know, it'll be a tough test. No question. It'll be a tough test. Um, You know, I I, like against every team, obviously I like our chances. I like our size. I like our size. Um, Ultimately um, like Michelle, like you said, bringing in Tina and Sylvia off the bench um, and just our size in the starting front court um, with those, with, with Brittany, Asia, and Stewie starting, I, you know, I just think our size will wear them down, but there's no question that there's going to be some moments where Japan's going to get their thing going and um, hit some big shots and make some runs. And we'll probably have to, you know, gather and um, refocus and, and come back and, um, you know, impose our will even more on the, on the game to get the win. Skylar's going to play more, I think, on the perimeter with def- defensively. I think that she'll, I think matchup wise, I, I expect to see Skylar play more against Japan just to give them a little bit more quickness on the perimeter to get to those players. And, you know, I, I would not be surprised to see Skylar getting a lot more minutes this time around. Yeah. 
we just talked about pressure and, you know, both of you mentioned Asia and how, you know, how good she played and it's her first time, right? This is her debut in the Olympics on the world stage. You're the reigning, you know, WNBA MVP and yeah, you've got vets, but it's a little different when, you know, people like we just, you know, discussed want to take what you've been doing, want to take your accolades and kind of like throw you in this box that you have to be perfect. But I think she did really well. And so I'm curious to know, Michelle, I'll start with you and then we'll come back to you. Where do you, you know, what are you expecting to see from her as we progress throughout the rest of these games? Well, I, you know, she said after the game that she was nervous. I was like, okay, well, (laughs) and when you relax, it's going to be on, right? Like, I don't, it's just, just so, I don't know. It's just, just so consistent. She just does what she does. So, you know, there's not a lot up and down in Asia's play. She plays at a level and she stays there. And I think we're going to see more of that. I think that what she did in that first game is pretty much the level of play. You'll be, you know, matchups are going to vary in things, but Asia's not going to vary. Asia's effort and, you know, and her hustle and her skill level and things, those aren't going to vary. She just is so consistent in my mind. She just doesn't, there's no ups and downs with Asia and I don't expect to see any throughout this tournament. Yeah, I, um, I agree. You know, I think that that first time stepping out there and starting, you know, it's, it's, uh, it's one thing to get to, you know, my position, um, you know, I had the greatest position in America coming off the bench, um, you know, back up to uh, back up to Sue played with in our second team with my with uh, Moan. And uh, at that time, let's see, Sylvia Angel, I had the greatest job in America. So uh, and I got to watch us go. I got to see the flow, see the rhythm. Um, you know, how many years is this for Asia in the league? Three or four. And here you are starting. This is four. Yeah. Wow. Here you are starting and the Olympic games and your first Olympic game. So, um, so yeah, I agree. And, and that's what, you know, the, um, the nerves and things it, it, you know, it means something, it really means something. And that's, um, now she has that, she has her, her game. And I, she still, she still played great. Um, but she has that first game under her belt and now it'd be fun to, um, just kind of see how she progresses and just like you said, her consistency, but being able to play inside, outside, guard multiple positions. I just, um, yeah, she's, she's everything you want in, uh, in that position and in that player. So I'm, I'm excited to see, um, what she'll do the rest of the tournament. Only Sue Bird can make way smile about coming off the bench. I mean, come on, seriously. <laughs> like, how I'm telling you, I was like, this is great. This is awesome. I, and then, you know, you don't, you don't, we didn't play more than 20 minutes. So you were always feeling fresh for the next game. It was awesome. That's amazing. <laughs> Michelle, I know that you have got to cut out a little early way. I would love for you to hang on just a, a little bit longer. But before you go, three on three, USA gets gold. First ever, first time, you know, Steffi Dolson, Jackie Young, Alicia Gray. Alicia Gray, my gosh, she's just so fantastic. Um, and Kelsey Plum, just any thoughts on, on, on that particular squad and, you know, what it may have felt like for you watching them achieve such an accomplishment? It was so fun and it was so fast and that team that foursome and I'm still, I'm going to shout out to Katie or, you know, Kay Lou. I mean, Lou, that was just a, that's, that was a tough situation for her and the timing and everything, because, you know, she was supposed to be part of that. And Jackie came in and filled in and did great. But I just, just kept looking at him going, God, these are, this is just a 
tough little group, right? Like this, these are just leather bound, tough group of players. Kelsey Plum, you know, I'm a California, you know, Pac-12 girl. And so I've known Kelsey Plum and watched Kelsey Plum for a long time. And she's just tough little nut, that one, man. She just, she just goes and, and Alicia, Alicia Gray. And like, I just loved it, but I just love the toughness of it. I just love that. It was mm-hmm. sort of like, it was gritty and they were just, you know, it was a little down and dirty and super physical. And I loved it. I thought it was great. And I just loved that group together. I dug it. It was great. I can't wait to, for them to do some more of this. Cause I think you could put, now you start thinking of combinations of four players you could put together in that and how right. much fun that would be. I don't know. I loved it. Thank you for making some time to join Got us, it. Michelle. I know you have to go do real world stuff. <laughs> real, world, <laughs> Lizzie, there we go. real world stuff, right? I know, but definitely appreciate you. Um, appreciate you joining us and, and making some time with us. And before you go, please let us know, do you have anything coming up that we should be aware of? Where can our fans find you on social media? Yep. So you always find me on social media um, at MaxSmith413. And then um, this season is for me is WNBA.com. So hopefully just sort of providing some insight on WNBA.com and a weekly column. I've got a little column coming up that just kind of outlines where everybody's going to be coming off the break. Some of the changes. I mean, some teams have had some big stuff happen over these last few weeks and they're going to come in out of the break, you know, looking a little different and who's got what left on their schedule, because really we are well past the halfway point. I would say they're going to come back more yeah. in the stretch of the WNBA season. And so what that's all going to mean. And so I've got that coming out in a couple of days and um, doubling back on a little Kayla McBride too, because I think what she's done in her and Leisha Clarendon and what they've done for the links right now. And um, Wade can certainly weigh in on that. I know it's, we're not quite back to that yet, but a little something <laughs> about that too, because I think they've made a huge difference for a team that all of a sudden is looking pretty tough. So. Well, we'll definitely be checking you out on WNBA.com. And thanks again for making some time for us, Michelle. You know, anytime. And that's exactly where I want to pick up with you because, hey, listen, this has been an interesting season for um, most teams in the WNBA. There's the Commissioner's Cup. There's, you know, players who didn't come back from overseas until later after the season had already started. But I never can count out Minnesota, right? Like ever, 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 ever can I count out Minnesota, even when it's like, I don't know, they're looking a little shaky. Nope. Lay comes off and then um, Nafisa shows up and she's dropping like 25 and you're like, what are we doing? So how have you been able to judge your Minnesota Lynx up until this part uh, in the season? Have you been paying attention? Is that even right for me to ask? Have you been paying attention? Uh, yeah, no, I have, I have, that is, um, absolutely. I, um, you can't, you can't ever count Cheryl out. I'll just say that, you know, you can't count her out. Um, she's the most competitive person I think I've ever been around. Um, so she's going to find a way, um, they got off to the slow start and, and you could see Fee had just come back. I know her overseas season went a little bit longer than anticipated, and so um, she got back a little bit late. Uh, I, you know, obviously, um, getting Lasia has been um, has been the difference, right? Yeah. And so um, Kayla has come on. I feel like Kayla found her rhythm. Mm-hmm. Sylvia, there's been a few games and a few points where Sylvia's looking like MVP Sylvia, and she still is so dominant and so good that um, you know she's she's still doing it. And so there's one coach that probably, if there's one coach that didn't want the break to happen, it was Cheryl because they had won seven in a row going into the break. Mm-hmm. So obviously they're trending up, um, in the right direction. And, 
it's going to be a fun, as Michelle said, it's, it's not even a halfway point. It's going to be a fun last quarter of the season sprint to see where everybody gets seated and how these, these playoffs are going to go. And, you know, hopefully more and more fans can go and where there's more and more um, yeah. attendance restrictions lifted. So we can all get back in these arenas and, and watch our favorite teams. For sure. For sure. I'm certainly hoping that, you know, we can, guys can pack out the target center. It's just, it's a, the atmosphere of Lynx basketball up here is just amazing. And so having that, having that feeling back is going to be like another, just a couple more before we let you go. Um, you're wearing your Simone Augustus tee, right? And she shocked us all. So look at that. That, is, that tee is awesome. I definitely need the link. I love wear. this shirt. I just got it. <laughs> I just got it the I other think- day. So, you know, I had to you know, I had to wear it today when I knew it was coming on the podcast with you. For sure. For sure. <laughs> and I'm telling you, I'm going to need the link because I'm going to have the cop one because it's nice. However, right, I'll, I'll you. we had Simone, you know, on the pod when she first announced her retirement and both LaChina and I were shocked. So two part one, you know, what was your, you know, feeling being able to play with such a phenomenal player, such a game changing player? And two, what are your advice? for retirement. I mean, because you know, you, you had to make that decision, even though, and not only deciding to retire, but doing so moving into the coaching arena. Yeah. I, um, well, you know, for, first off, like you said, Simone is, um, you know, one of the greatest ever, um, to do this and three-time Olympian, four-time champion mm-hmm. finals, MVP. Uh, you know, I first played with Simone when, uh, see it was it was 2003 we were playing uh in a in the they had a FIBA under 21 tournament and so it's kind of um you know junior nationals if you will mm-hmm. it was it, it was um you know Elena Beard was on that team Nicole Oldie Kendra Wecker Cappy um Tamika Johnson um Tanisha Wright um Simone and Simone was two years younger than all of us um, Tanisha Wright was a year younger. So we had a couple, we, most of us on the team were going to be seniors in college mm-hmm. and we had two juniors, I think. And then Moan, who was a sophomore and she was that good that she played up two years. She was the MVP of the tournament as wow. the youngest player, probably in the tournament. And I'd never seen anybody make shots, you know, shoot from her release point that she has. And just her shot making ability was, I'd never seen it before. And so um, I think we were roommates for a couple, you know, we traded, you know, roommates, this and that, wherever we went, the coach put us with a new roommate. Me and Moan were, were roommates for um, I think three nights. And we probably said three words to each other the whole time. And um, now, um, you know, just cause we were young and neither, you know, shy, you know, not very talkative and, um, now you probably couldn't get the two of us to shut up for three nights. We probably wouldn't sleep at all. We would just sit in there and watch movies and watch a game and hang out, you know, looking now after, you know, playing together and knowing each other for all these years. But, um, you know, Simone, I think as a, as a coach, now she's going into this next phase. She has a wealth of knowledge. She's got a great temperament, great personality for, for this, for this profession. Um, you know, she's Mon is Mon is the type that when it came to when it came to serious, you know, basketball, she wasn't going to say a whole lot. But when she did, everybody just it was Mon 
Everybody yeah. just shut up and listened. You know, like she gave yeah. a a great pregame speech when it was just us players in the locker room in uh, 2017. Like you, she knew the moments um, when she had to step up and really and really lead. And she saved them for those times when it was like really needed because then, because then it was just like, everybody shut up and listened to moan. It was, you know, you have me blabbering on at all times about, <laughs> we got to do this better than the pick and roll. We got to do this execution better, you know, point guard, you know how we yeah. are. Right. And so, um, and you know, moan when she's in the training room or we're in the bus or on at the hotels and that she's the most talkative. She's the funniest person I've ever met. But when it came to like that moment, so that translating over to being a coach, she's going to have that, that she's not going to blow up every day, you know, if she, I don't know if she aspires to be a a head coach, but right now an assistant coach, she's not going to, she's going to save those for the right times. And she's great at reading the mood and the moment. And uh, I think she's just going to be, you know, obviously successful in whatever she decides to do. And right now it's, it's coaching. And if it's that she's going to be tremendous at it. Absolutely. We will continue to wish Simone the best. L.A. certainly has a gem, Mm -hmm. a gem. Derek Fisher has a gem right now with Simone. And I know, you know, she was telling us that there are those moments where she's like, I feel like I can still do it. But then my knees say, nah, (laughs) (laughs) Nah. you get to that point, you get to that point, you know, and it it just yeah, it's just kind of whether it's whatever it is, it, it, you know, you you get to the point where you're ankles or your knees or your your mind you know mm-hmm. you, you want to do the things that you you once used to be able to do and um but you know player like Simone um you know has no regrets I'm sure absolutely so you you walk away and you feel you feel great about what you're able to accomplish absolutely last one for you coach what can we expect from Minnesota basketball this season I know you're excited we're mm-hmm. excited what can we expect from our, from our golden gophers this year? Yeah. I, you know, I, I, I was talking this morning, we had a, a morning conditioning session and um, we'll have, we have some, some skill, skill work here in a, in about an hour. Um, you know, I told, I told one of my players, I, I said, our last two weeks, there's been a, there's been a shift. There's been a, there's a feel that this group has right now of, of working and um, a business mentality, a business approach. Um, we have a lot of juniors and seniors and some grad transfers on this team. Mm-hmm. And I think it's, it's really, um, really set in the opportunity that we have. And I think that some of the upperclassmen, you, cause you start to realize how fast it goes. Yeah. And so there's a, there's a certain, I think, maturity and business like approach that we have right now. That's really, really cool. And I'm really, um, excited about what that's going to look like on the court as we progress through the rest of our summer workouts and into the fall. So we, um, you know, we have a, an exciting, exciting schedule. We play in the big mm-hmm. 10. It's obviously a great conference with four teams in the sweet 16 last year. Mm-hmm. We have our work cut out for us. No question. But um, after the summer, I really like where this team is at and I like where we're going. So um, it's going to be, uh, you know, a great year. Uh, in college basketball. And I'm excited to see, um, the, the game as a whole continue to grow and, and our team to take some, some really big steps this year as well. 
Absolutely. I know I'm excited about women's college basketball. I think the the hype around the sport just generated mm-hmm. to such a level after last season's Final Four that this year I really am convinced that that excitement is just going to continue to trickle. Oh, yeah. So oh, yeah. we'll be watching mm-hmm. the Big Ten. I certainly will be watching. I'm from Michigan. I'm a Michigan native. So, of course, oh. I'm watching, right? Right. Big Ten so, country. That's what's up. Big Ten country, man, yes. for sure. So, That's I'm so definitely going to be watching. Yeah. Um, but thank you. Thank you so much for your time, yes. for making time thank for you. us. I appreciate it. Thank you so much for having me. All right, women's basketball fans. Well, thank you so much for tuning in to this edition of your ESPNW Women's Basketball Podcast Around the Rim. Special thank you to Michelle Smith for joining us, as well as the great Lindsay Whalen. It was so amazing to to have a conversation with both of them and to get their perspective. Um, please make sure you are following all of us on social media. Again, you can find Lindsay at Lindsay underscore 13. You can find Michelle at Max Smith 413. I am at she knows sports no underscore anymore and LaChina is at LaChina Robinson of course you need to be following the podcast at around the rim pod or you can send us an email at around the rim podcast at gmail.com we appreciate you continuing to show us some love continuing to support us please rate review subscribe if you're listening to us on apple we absolutely love to read your comments and leave and read the reviews that you leave for us so continue to do that and watch women's basketball this weekend the usa team usa is going to be facing off against japan on friday at 12 40 a.m eastern time and they will see france on monday august 2nd also at 12 40 a.m eastern time so you're gonna have to stay up late to catch some good basketball but it's well worth it i promise um until next time friends